super excited about the content that we're going to be sharing with everybody here today. Really appreciate you guys being here. And so how did you guys get started? What's your story? Chris was getting involved with his like credit thing and he's my older brother. So like throughout our entire life, whatever he does, I at some point take interest in it and at least start doing it myself. You know, whether it was like, oh, he's really into doing tricks on the trampoline. I want to do tricks on the trampoline. Like even something is that when we were kids, you know, so now he's doing this financial thing and I was getting really into it myself. And, you know, immediately I had gotten a couple credit cards, you know, based on some of the things he was telling me. And like all of a sudden I got these like huge credit lines and I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. This is cool now. So we were just kind of like, Honestly, just kind of uh, like leveraging our credit for, for a few months, several months actually, just kind of like earning a lot of credit card rewards, hitting sign-up bonuses, traveling for free. That was the biggest thing. Like I had just gotten my job, so I was like, oh, now I'm getting this salaried income. But at the same time, I was going, I was taking at least one to two trips a month, getting on a plane, flying somewhere, Oklahoma, Florida, you know, California, wherever. But I, but I wasn't even paying for the flight because I was using credit. And it was just amazing to me just oh, this entire space that I had no idea about like three months ago. And now all of a sudden it's like the lifeblood of how I'm traveling. And that was very important to me. So that just kind of was the rest of 2019. We just kind of kept doing it. And then right around the January timeframe, we started talking to our friends about it. We were like, Oh, Hey, you know, did you know you could do this or you could do that? And we started getting people that were interested in what we could say. That was kind of the biggest. That was, that was key. pretty big. I actually went out to Las Vegas for the first of the year just to visit some friends. And while I was out there, one of my, one of my good friends from Vegas was out there with his girlfriend and I happened to basically hook him up with Caesar's diamond status, which is the highest status over at Caesar's part of getting that. I see, uh, I see Hector's like, Hey, I know, I know what you mean. So there's a lot of perks of becoming a Caesar's diamond member. And one of them is you get like a hundred dollar comp meal. So I was like, Hey, why don't you take your girlfriend out for your anniversary? Like it's completely comped. He got like some free show tickets. He got his room upgrade and he's like, yo, this stuff's awesome, man. Like you should start teaching other people how to do this. We're like, Hey, that's actually pretty, that's not too bad. Yeah. And naturally, I mean, Chris took a different path than me. I went to college bachelor's in engineering. So I've been going through the schooling system for a while. So I'd always been somebody that enjoyed teaching people. So for my friends, you know, I would get on the phone with them and talk for like hours just about credit you know, I, I convinced one of my friends, she, she had no interest in credit at all. After talking to me like two or three times, she's like all into the secured cards. Now those are getting upgraded and like, she's really into it. So I was like, okay, people are clearly interested in this and people want to learn about it because what me and Chris realized is that nobody cared until they saw or heard from us what it can do. You know, it was just, oh yeah, I know credit's important. It's like, oh, well, did you know that if you get good credit, then you can, you know, get that auto loan that you wanted without a cosigner. And they're like, wait, what? Like, I just thought I had to have my mom get a car with me. And I'm like, no, like you just establish yourself, you know, little stuff like that. People don't always know about. So really, I mean, it just transpired to then Chris poking around on like Facebook group. That's kind of when we, uh, we ended up starting. Well, that was what started the company is because Chris ended up finding somebody on that Facebook group that actually wanted to pay us (laughs) for something that that we could teach them. So that was, that was like the biggest thing ever to us. We were like, Holy, Oh wow. Like this is a, this is something that could be like, you know, tangible. Like we could actually turn this into a monetary business. So that happened in February. And then, you know, we just kind of kept talking on the Facebook group, talking to friends. Now we started kind of selling some of our knowledge because that's really what you pay for sometimes is, okay, well, you spent months learning it and I'm going to tell you about it in 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, so people started doing that and then it just, then we created our Instagram page in, you know, April because we were like, okay, you know, we've, we've taken 
enough time and put energy into it that we wanted to just start going on social media. Yeah, yeah. Wanna, we actually just passed 6,000 followers on Instagram. Uh, and to give you some sort of an idea, we had through April, May, and even through mid June, I think we were hovering at like 75 followers. So for the first three, for the first like two and a half months, for the first like 10 weeks, we had about, we, we were lucky to even say we had a hundred followers. I, th- I don't even think we did. I think we had like 90 followers and this was like friends, our mom. I had my cat's Instagram follow <laughs> us. Like, you know, come on. We were just really trying to pump the numbers up, <laughs> but we were posting every day from the moment we incept, like we, in, like we created the Instagram account. We were posting every single day, videos, blog posts up like current events, changes, in the credit space, financial space. I mean, we were, even though it was to pretty much no audience, we were putting together this, this mound of content. And that's very key for what we'll get into later, which is around June is when we actually, it was actually in May when we created our TikTok account. I actually had another friend that's in the entertainment space that was doing pretty well for his YouTube channel. And he's just for two, three months, he's like, man, you gotta get on TikTok. You gotta get TikTok, you gotta get on TikTok. New audience, new audience. And I was like, you know, I was like, you know what? All right, I'll try this. Yeah. So it was like the end of May. I think it was like the end of May going into June. And Chris is like, all right, we created a TikTok. Like now we're doing TikToks. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Chris actually did the first like two or three videos for us. I mean, you know, put them out there. It was just throwing them out there. I mean, we didn't really see any, any traction from it. But then it was like end of May, first week of June, I think, when I made, when me and Chris started to like learn more about what to do with the platform. And what we realized is, okay, we got to like search trending hashtags, find people in our niche, see what videos they're doing that are being, that are popular. What, what things for them are having the best views, comments, shares, the analytics are there. And what we noticed was, is that there was a very, very big pull to anything that talked about debt, whether it was, you know, how to get rid of your debt, how to avoid getting into debt you know, collection accounts, you know, if you stop paying your bills and your credit cards, you know, they get charged off and sent to collections. And now you have debt, debt people calling you on the phone saying, Hey, where's my money? Those types of, you know, video content is what we noticed on a lot of the profiles that we started following in our, in our niche. That's the videos that we're doing the best. So we were like, okay, sounds simple. We'll just make a video on collections. Cause you know, as far as credit is concerned, collection accounts are, are one of the worst derogatory marks that you can have. It basically means your debt was sold to a third party. And that's the thing. You get letters in the mail. You can get sued. It's not good. So we decided to make a video that was purposely designed to trigger people because it basically took everyone's first thought when they hear about a collection. They're like, oh, so you have a collection account. You should pay that. Because it's natural. Okay, well, I have debt. I should go and pay that. But our video was the complete opposite. It was do not pay your collections. That was the whole video. It was like, you know, like a 30 or 40 second video all about three reasons why you should not pay your collection accounts. And there was very, very valid reasons. And we still stick to that today. That's kind of our shtick. But this video just happened to hit the exact right type of audience for us. And within a week, it had over a million views. I mean, it it went like viral, like, completely out of the gate for us. Like we had our TikTok for like less than two or three weeks. And all of a sudden it's just like, Josh, we have like a hundred thousand new followers, (laughs) you know? So it was just, it was, that was absolutely incredible for us because we saw at that moment how different TikTok was. We had posted on Instagram for close to three months every day, every single day, hashtags, tagging people, whatever. Three months straight, nothing. 
nothing. We, the only people that were engaging were following us. We posted on TikTok, and now there was this new wave of people that weren't following us, but saw the content anyways. And once we realized, wow, that is the, that is the monumental key difference between every other social media platform out there and TikTok. You know, the, the absolute visibility that you garner by posting on TikTok versus any other platform when you don't already have a following is, is, is absolutely, you know, insanely different. You know, so then, so then from there, we just kind of posting TikTok that, and, you know, everybody started flowing into our Instagram. And that was pretty much how the trickle effect work is capture them on TikTok with those quick little 30 second videos. Then they flow to our Instagram. Now they have three or four months worth of content to dig through because we had been posting and posting and posting. And then it was pretty much like it, it was an automated nurture. <laughs> we didn't really even have to do anything. It's not just about it going viral. It's just that you're actually getting results for your clients. Yeah. Well, I think the, especially after we started, um, talking to a lot of people on Insta or on Instagram and TikTok, especially the live streams, it really opened our eyes. Uh, you know, again, after talking to people on how many people just don't understand credit. And so what our main purpose of our Instagram originally was, and it still is, is it, we basically want to do a credit credit made simple, you know, break down this complex top, or topic that's not taught in high school. It's not taught in college. It's usually not taught in anywhere until you actually need it. And when you need it, you're getting advice from your friend, your mom, your dad, like someone you just saw on the internet, an article. But a lot of the advice out there is just way, way too complex. Like there's no reason to overcomplicate things on how to build a good credit score. And there's just, there's just too much information. So it's like, how can we take this really complex subject, break it down in a way that not only people can understand that, but people can consume it and apply it to their own personal uh, situation. So there's that, there's that term knowledge is power. We hate that. That is literally my least favorite uh, phrase out there. And the reason is, is because knowledge is power is indicative of saying, oh, just having knowledge is good. Just, just simply having it, just having the book in front of you is, is good. That's all that you need. But then there's, there's no actionable step forward. And that's where we kind of change that phrasing and say, it's not knowledge itself. That's power. It's applied knowledge. That's powerful. So that's, that's kind of been something we've stuck to literally since the beginning is just how can we, you know, capture an audience, obviously with like, you know, funny, quick TikToks that they can, you know, kind of digest very easily, but then also how can we distill a complex subject and then teach it to them in a way that makes sense in that they actually enjoy. You know, and we've had a lot of people say that they never cared about any of this stuff until they started watching our content. And we thought that that was, that was pretty much crucial is TikTok's a great way to, you know, express yourself, you know, whether it's, whether it's financial, whether it's beauty, whether or not you're working out or whatever. I mean, you can express yourself in a way that's just different and can be more engaging with your audience too. You know, we'll go on lives and, you know, just kind of have fun with people. And it's just all about the level of visibility and engagement that you can get off of it. So we've, we found that to be very, very influential for our brand. Cause that's what we've built at this point. Lots of companies are companies. That's what they are. We are a brand. People want to work with the credit brothers, <laughs> right. you know, and, and it's indicative of, uh, of social media for sure. That's uh, awesome. Sure. Now I got a question that's a little bit off topic, but I'm just curious based on uh, the hashtags. Cause I know hashtag is a key component to TikTok and Instagram and other social media platforms for that matter. Are there a certain number of hashtags that you guys are using per, per post 
on yeah so so with the tiktok algorithm they don't want to see where i I was let's compare this back to instagram because instagram right it's very it's especially with instagram reels it's you know about a month old it's very hashtag driven so you can stack like 20 or 30 hashtags in your post and that's all going to be very beneficial that doesn't work on tiktok in fact it it makes more sense on tiktok to use something like three to five or two to five hashtags mm-hmm. usually one or two that are really really big so over uh 500 million uh likes or comments or uses and then a couple that are smaller that you can rank really high in so under two hundred and fifty thousand. um so if you go like hashtag the credit brothers right there's only going to be like four <laughs> on that one but you want a couple small ones and then one or two big ones in there uh so the algorithm can match your video to your overall niche but as well if that video does do really well you're going to be able to rank you know number one or number two in those smaller hashtags yeah and that's what was good good for us i mean we on that video that went really viral for us we had a couple hashtags that we were just number one in number one or like or top three to the you know so if people were searching anything in debt or collections or anything like that they would see us you know as opposed to and it was funny because all the people that we were looking at ended up being below us because of how good our video did that was just kind of funny but that's awesome yeah i think you guys came up on my for you page so uh that's how and i think it was that viral video that was my first video that prompted me to to see you guys on Instagram and, you know, message. That's how it all began. So sharing that story. That's really awesome. So we have some slides that we prepared for everybody uh, who's watching and I'm going to pull them up right now and let's just get them pulled up right there. But before, actually, before I pull up the slides, um, what are the top three things people need to know about credit repair? So number one, First and foremost, when it comes to credit repair, it is not a one size fits all. You know, the thing that we talk about so much is that credit repair, there are many, many different forms of it. You know, there's there's popular versions, there's unpopular versions, and and pretty much just because you know you're working with a credit repair company doesn't mean you exactly know what methods they're actually using to go about repairing your your report and that's actually we'll get into it in the slides more so about what our specific service is but number 1 it's that not all credit repair is the same and that's very important because a lot of people work with a credit repair company company says okay it's been 3 months and we can't remove x y or z items we just can't do it you know and it's and it's most likely because of how they're going about their credit repair. So just because you've worked with a company in the past doesn't necessarily mean that working with a new one that's using a different method or technique is 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 not going to garner even better results for. You. Number 2, it's that for our credit repair and I think for most people's credit repair situation is that you have to not focus on the score. Everyone's really concerned about the score when it comes to credit repair, but the objective especially of uh, the objective of our repair is that it's about the report because your credit score does not matter nearly as much as the report because a good report, a solid report that's cleaned up is going to garner a good credit score just naturally, you know, and especially due to the nature of credit repair, you're not in con- we're not in control of everything. You know, it's, we're only in control of one third of your credit score, so to speak, based on how it's calculated. So our objective is to focus on the report itself. If the score goes up because of other things that are in play, 
awesome. If the score goes down, that might be because of things that we are not working on. We're not in control of how much credit card debt you have. We're not in control of you applying for new things or whatever the case is. So that's, that's definitely really important uh, as well. And then I would say number three for, for biggest things about credit repair is that due to the nature of credit repair, there's definitely a lot of gray areas in terms of who you can work with and who you can't. So for anybody that's even remotely thinking about credit repair is it's definitely best to find out and talk to somebody before just arbitrarily signing up and kind of giving away your, your information. Cause there is sensitive information that's worked with. And I don't know about anyone else, but I personally, if I'm going to give, you know, some personal information to somebody, I want to know who they are. I want to see a face. I want to make sure that, you know, I can at least trust them to the point where I can get on the phone with them, talk about my report. And that's the biggest thing you want to be able to talk about your report and have that vision moving forward because credit repair is not just, I'm going to fix your credit and then go on with your life there should be a little bit of a roadmap discussion. There should be, hey, this is my goal. How is credit repair going to fit into that? You know what I mean? That, that's, what it, that's what a good company would do, I would say. And um, without further ado, I'm going to pull up the presentation now. Here we are with the Credit Brothers Repair Optimized Leverage. Tell us a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, uh, I guess I'll start because I'm on the top. So that's that's me and Chris there. Uh, that's probably the best we've ever looked. Uh, really took a lot of time and effort to get uh, to get that photo shoot taken care of. But uh, yeah, so I'm Josh. Uh, I went to school for for electrical engineering. So I've always been a nerd, math, science. That's kind of been my thing. But now I consider myself to be a full time credit expert. You know, I was able to reach an 800 uh, FICO score you know, by the time I was 22, and once I did that, I'm like, all right, if I can do it, <laughs> then pretty much anybody can because I was always told, no, you have to wait until you're, you know, 30, 40, whatever mm-hmm. to actually reach a really high score. And yet I was able to do it in less than four years from turning 18. So it's, I really focus on what is the core foundation of what makes up your credit score and what are the simple things that you can start doing today that's going to maximize your growth and and really solidify your foundation so then in the future, you're not having to come to us saying, hey, I need help because I can't get approved for this thing. Because if you take care of the issue you know, now, then a year, two years, however much long from now that you're going to need to really start using your credit, that's what's going to be really important for you. Yeah, so there's um, so we have the, the repair optimized leverage and a lot of the leverage stuff is some of the travel and making money off your credit. So I've always loved to travel and I love the Food Network. So traveling to you know different cities in the US, experiencing all types of different food is really, really cool for me. So I was like, there's gotta be a way where you can still, you know, enjoy the level of luxury that everyone wants to travel in without paying some of the you know, astronomical prices that you see uh, for that hotel room or for that airline ticket. Uh, and so I just, I started utilizing credit, different credit cards, different, uh, you know, learning the ins and outs of the travel world. And I started to notice you can live that exact same lifestyle, if not a much better lifestyle, travel how you want, go to the places you want and use your credit. Uh, and then pays, you know, very, very fractional amounts of money or completely free. When it comes to traditional credit repair is that it's, it's really not in the favor of the consumer and it's because of the statistics. It's because, you know, out of, you know, a hundred people that they take on, or in this case, you know, we gave the example of like 10,000, you know, only 96 or let, or sorry, 96% of those clients 
had a score change of less than 25 points, meaning if you kind of revert it, less than 5% of those people really saw a significant change in their, in their credit score. Now, again, what, what I kind of alluded to earlier about our focus is not even really on the credit score. I believe that the reason that those changes are not as drastic as people might want is because they were not talked to and, and, and really had a discussion about what they can do to improve their report, both in their control and in the control of the credit repair company. You know, if there's things that they can be doing before the repair gets started or during the repair and those things, those actionable items that they can do would be helping their credit score. Well, if they were never notified of it, because a lot of people are just confused about it. So if someone just says, okay, well, I hired a company and they're going to get my credit score to where it needs to be. Well, that's a problem. And that's that's really, really where we feel traditional companies companies fail is they don't give people the guidance to what they can do in addition to the company working as a team. You know, you want to be, a, you know, it has to be a team effort to really get those score increases. So a lot of companies, you're not really going to get that. Um, and then in addition, they're very bad at disputing, you know, when it comes to their dispute techniques, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier, how every company has different techniques and there's ones that are very, very common and because it's common, they don't garner a lot of results. I mean, it's going to take a very, very long time, years for enough items to perhaps come off your report to really garner a change. And that's why, you know, four in a thousand disputes are the only ones that are successful. And that's, I mean, that's why if you just simply dispute it on your own, you might know that it's not that easy. You know, if you just go ahead and start doing it on your own, it's, it's not going to be very successful. And if you're working with certain types of companies that, don't really care about their clients. They're just going to be doing the same types of techniques that you can just read up on Google or something like that, and then just know exactly what to do. And that's why we feel that a lot of companies are not really successful with that. Um, and then Chris, if you wanted to talk about some of the other ones. Yeah. So basically um, like 80% of consumers have inaccuracies on their credit reports. So this is really big because a lot of people, even on, I mean, myself, I have an auto loan. It is a brand. It's a good account on my credit report and it's still reported incorrectly. I have three different balances on three different credit reports, even though there's one car loan with the same balance. So even on good accounts, you can have inaccuracies or missed information on that report. So how we actually, again, in some of these other slides, we'll kind of break down how we're actually doing the repair, but we use a lot of those inaccuracies to our advantage to remove those items off the report. Yeah. And again, because they're just simply disputing this information, most traditional credit repair companies, they just dispute it. You know, it just, they're just doing something that's very, very surface level. And that's why the results are really not there. It can take a very long time. It's not very successful at all. You know, most people do not, again, have those massive score increases. They still have negative items on their account and it's due to a plethora of reasons um, that we'll kind of get into uh, in a sec here. So in order to really understand um, how, credit repair operates, right? I mean, I've, I've talked about why this credit score doesn't matter. And I think this is a very good visual representation of why we're not focused on the credit scores. Because if you look at how your credit score is actually, you know, comprised, how it's made up, payment history, although it's the biggest one at 35%, is only about a third of the rest of the things that make up your credit score. So you can see as far as negative items, you know, if you have a late payment or a collection account or a bankruptcy, you know, God forbid, then you're going to have some serious point drops in your score. 
You know, that's why people have, you know, 300s and 400 credit scores is because they have these really significant negative items. So simply removing those items are going to garner a, a boost, you know, pre, you know, presumably to the credit score. But again, it's really that other 65% that is going to be the difference between getting you to where you really want to go and kind of getting you out of the rut that you are in now. It's a combination of fixing that payment history and then thereby removing those big negative items, getting rid of the bankruptcy, getting rid of the debts or the, you know, the foreclosures and the repossessions and all those really negative items, you get those off there. Then now you can focus on the other four aspects such as amounts owed. You can really try to bring your credit card utilization down. Things like that are really going to help bolster your, your credit score over time. So I really, I really like to include this slide just to give people that very good representation of what their credit score is, how we fit into it, and then also those negative items that we're working on, how impactful can those really be? Got it. So when do you recommend people pay their credit card, just out of curiosity? So it kind of depends what situation they're in. Uh, there's actually been a new uh, rule that we've kind of been kicking around on like TikTok and social media. It's kind of been getting big. It's like the 315 rule. And those are for people that are trying to pay down their debt. So if somebody's in, in debt and they're not making more than their minimum payments or they're not able to pay off the card completely, then we recommend people pay their card you know, at least a couple times during the month, because usually if I tell you, Hey, you need to pay, you need to make one payment of a hundred dollars. That might be harder for you to, to actually do than if I said, just make three payments of $50, mm. you end up kind of making more payments that equate to a larger payoff just by chunking it, just by kind of condensing it down to smaller payments. So those are, that's a, something we suggest for people trying to get out of debt. It's just get in the habit of paying. But if somebody wanted to, let's just say there's somebody that can pay off their entire credit card and you know, it's, they're just using it as a glorified debit card, which is what we recommend. If you're going to use credit and you want to use it responsibly, never spend more than in your bank account because you want to make sure that's paid off. You got to be conscious of the reporting date. This is something that's big. A lot of people get confused on this, which is, well, you know, Josh, I, I just paid off my credit card and I checked my credit score and it's low. It says that my utilization on that card is like 50 or 60%, but I, I'm, I'm looking at my account right now and it's paid off. I made a big payment. The thing is, is that you have a specific date. It happens once a month and that's the reporting date, which the information attached attached to that account, the balance is held on a credit card, the money left on a loan, whatever, that information gets sent to the credit bureaus on that day. And you want to make sure you know what that day is, because this is part of our optimization strategy, where you want to make sure you're paying your cards to an appropriate balance before that reporting date. So then when it reports, it's actually going to show a lower utilization and you don't need to wait an entire month to have it re-report again. So it, it, and you can find that information. It's, it's usually right around the statement date closing. So you always want to make your minimum payment by that minimum payment due date. The okay. statement will then close a day or two after that. And then that's usually when the reporting date is. So really this is, this is one of our slides that uh, we really, we, we like to talk about because it, it really drives home the fact that we don't see what we offer as a service as just kind of a one-off like, okay, you know, like you go and fix your car because it broke, you got to get it fixed so you can start driving again. Okay, you, you, you fix your car, you get on the road. When, when it comes to credit, there's really a cost that, that occurs when you have bad credit. Obviously, tons of people have bad credit. You know, you see it all the time. You're driving down the road and you see an auto dealership 
and it says no credit, no problem. Come on in here, you know, no credit, zero, you know, financing options for everybody. And you might think, well, that's great. I don't need good credit to get a car. Well, there's a problem with that because what is the true cost of having that bad credit? And this, and this is something that we kind of went and crunched the numbers and looked at, okay, well, if you take even a conventional auto loan, you know, $25,000, that's going to get you your, you know, your uh, Honda Civic kind of, you know, maybe some little upgrades on, you know, nothing too crazy, not a Tesla or nothing, but you know, your standard five-year loan, 60 months, some people have been doing 72 months, but that's another story. We're just going to stick to 60 months. And if you have bad credit, then you're going to get a high interest rate. You know, simply put, if you have good credit, you're going to get a lower interest rate. Bad credit, you're going to get a worse interest rate. And that interest rate is how much money you are paying extra to the bank that is not taking away from the principal amount of money that you owe on the car. So if you have a $25,000 loan and every single month you make a, you, you know, you make a hundred dollar payment, but 30 of those dollars are going towards interest, well, then you're really only paying off $70 from that principal amount every single month. And the lower the interest rate is, the lower the amount of money that you're, that you're making on that monthly payment is going towards the bank. And instead, it's just more money that's paying off the actual car in the actual loan itself. So it's really key to know that even with the difference of, say, someone with a 600 credit score versus a 750, there can be a difference of not only about a hundred bucks a month, sometimes even more than that, you know, two or $300, depending how bad that APR that you got. But in this example, you know, we chose something normal about 14%. And some people might think 14% is a good rate on a car. But when you compare it to what good credit gets you at 5%, then you're going to see that there's a pretty large monthly difference. You know, it's, it's over $100 just in the monthly cost, but in the interest life of the loan, the actual difference in how much you pay over the entire five-year period, you're paying several thousands of dollars more. And, and there's really no other reason that you're paying six, $7,000 more than you need to, other than the fact that you have bad credit. And, and it's really the lifelong value of what good credit gets you because on the other side of that card, you can see owning a home, you know, a home is something a lot of people want to have. And you look at the standard, you know, about $200,000 home, 30 year, you're looking at the difference between a 3.3% and about a five and a half percent. If you have bad credit now, granted things, how they're going right now, interest rates are lower than what you might see on this depiction, but the, but the premise is still there. If you're getting bad rates on your vehicles, bad rates on your home, then one, you need to know what a bad rate is. And that's really just figuring out how much money you're paying in interest per month and knowing that when you have good credit, you are saving hundreds of dollars a month and thousands of dollars a year. And you can see with a home over the course of the entire length, you're saving close to $100,000. I mean, that's almost half the price of the home. So when we offer credit repair as a service, it's not even, it's not a service to us. It's a, it's an investment because that investment is going to pay for itself over and over and over again, based on even just one financial product. One auto loan is all it takes for it to pay for itself time and time over again. Never mind if you get one for your son, your daughter, maybe you get one, you know, for another family member or a friend, whatever the case is, you have multiple products that you're trying to finance. Good credit is going to save you so much money. I, I like to tell people the money that we charge for, for credit repair is really a discount over the lifelong value of what it is. So, so in, in general, credit repair is definitely not an overnight process. 
Um, we like to actually, we actually just put a video together comparing it to basically working out or going to the gym or your, your body, right? When someone wants to lose weight or gain weight, for instance, it's not an overnight process. It's not, you just take this magical protein shake. You take this magical, uh, you press this magical button and poof, everything's gone. You're in the best shape of your life. You have to do consistent, uh, consistent things day after day, month after month, year after year to really get yourself into the position you want. So it's very similar to credit repair where it's not an overnight process. So a lot of people, they, they, they wait until they're already standing in the house or they're in the mortgage office and like, man, I can't wait to get this house. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh man, I have 30 days to close and I need my credit repair. Yes, there are anomalies where we do fix credit really, really quickly. But in the vast majority of times, it does take time. Usually three to six months is typically where most people fall for us. Most big, big companies, so name like Lexington Law, it's a big uh, big company out there. Average for them is about 15, 15 or so months across the board. And it's really just for the fact on they're not, a lot of these big companies, they're not efficient when they're actually sending out letters. So where we're sending things out every 30 days, nonstop, they might be sending them out once every three months, once every four months. So yes, credit repair does take time, but it's not infinite amount of time. Like it should not take 10 months, a year, two years. Like it doesn't take that long. So great. Yeah. This slide is just really good at just setting an expectation. And again, because of how aggressive we are with our repair, you know, we're, we're Johnny on the spot. We're doing it at, we're sending out rounds at least once a month, if not, you know, once every four to five weeks compared to most people, which are going to be two to three months in between. That's why we're getting the results quicker than the average, than the average company. And, you know, again, that's why we even have a guarantee. If you don't see anything in four months, if you don't even see a collection account come off, you don't see a hard inquiry come off in, in four months, then, you know, we're going to give you your money back. And that's how confident we are at how quickly we work. Cause we know even if the first round fails and the second round fails, we know that we're going to get that third round out and it's going to hit. This is uh, the actual repair method that um, we, we use versus, uh, you know, the other guys, right? So the, the classic thing that you're going to read about is, oh, you just got to, oh, you have a negative item. Oh, just go dispute it. Just go dispute it online. Go on Credit Karma. Go on your Experian app and just go ahead and dispute it. But the fundamental problem with disputing is that for you to dispute something, it's basically saying that this is not mine in some capacity or another. Either you have a mix-up with a with a social security number. Oh, this was you know somebody with the same name as me. Oh, I don't I don't even remember opening this account. Whatever the case is, you're disputing it and saying this. I do not recognize this information. I don't, I don't think this should be on my report. And that's what most credit repair companies are doing. And it's honestly because it's the easiest thing to do. It's very easy to do that. That's the thing that you're going to read up on Google. That's the thing that if you go ahead and look at, you know, some of those very large companies, that's what they're doing because it's, if they're going to have thousands and thousands of clients, they're going to try and go with what's the easiest, least time consuming method possible for them to try and you know, service their clients, quote unquote, I say service their clients with it, you know, air quotes there. But that's, that's the traditional method is the dispute method. But what what really is is the best form of credit repair, in our opinion, based on of based on the results that we've seen is is the challenge method. Now, it's still there's no thing you, you do where it's, you challenge the item as opposed to disputing it. But but by challenging an item, you're not saying that it's not yours, you're saying, hey, you know what, I agree with you that it's yours. But 
there's rules, laws, and regulations that govern credit reports. So you have your credit bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Those are your credit reporting agencies. Those CRAs report information, and that's what you see on your credit karma and your credit reports and what have you. They get that information from your credit card company. If you have a Discover account, Discover is going to send that information to TransUnion, and TransUnion is going to put it on your credit report. But the FCRA, the Fair Credit Reporting Act, governs what what information can appear on a credit report and what information cannot. Now, included in that is going to be identity theft or fraud-related items. Those things can't appear on a credit report, and that's why dispute is a very popular method of choice. But on another side of the coin, it also says any erroneous, inaccurate, or unverifiable information is what cannot be on your credit report. So that unverifiable is, is a very, very key thing because let's think about the game of telephone, right? If you have a credit card company and then they have information and then they go ahead and give it to, you actually have over 200 credit bureaus. So the big three are just the biggest businesses. They house the central data, but they're getting it from smaller credit, credit bureaus. Not a lot of people know that. So credit card company A sells it to a little small company that then sells that information to TransUnion, as an example, and then TransUnion displays it. What are the odds, if you ever played telephone as a kid, if you tell something to the buddy next to you and then it goes around a train with like 5, 10, 15 people, by the time it gets to the end, that information's been construed, it's been stretched, it's been moved around, they're not going to be able to follow that from start to finish and then from finish to start back again and actually verify all the information on the report most of the time. There's a reason why over 80% of credit reports have errors, and it's because there's this long train of how information actually gets from point A to point B. And the challenge method at its core is saying, I want you to verify all of these pieces of information, and if you can't verify it, then it's got to come off. That's not saying it's not yours. It's not saying it's identity theft or whatever, but it's just simply not legally able to be on the report per the rules and regulations that govern those credit reporting agencies. Fascinating. That is extremely valuable for the people who are paying attention and listening because, uh, you know, you're not going to hear this in many, very many places. No, no, sir. It's, uh, it's complicated for a reason. So what I, was, what I was diving into is what are those rules and regulations that govern your credit report? So it's called Metro 2 Compliancy. That's the actual compliancy that the credit report needs to, you know, adhere to, to actually keep that information reporting. So just like when you were in school and you had to write a, write an essay and it had to be MLA format, margins had to be a certain width, font had to be somewhere to the title, thesis statement, all the good stuff. That's the same thing as Metro 2 compliancy. You know, there has to be a certain amount of checks and balances. And if it's not Metro 2 compliant, it's a one or a zero. It either is or it isn't. And if it's not, it has to come off the report. So the reason our letters are so effective is that we send out these letters that are challenging these items for that compliancy. And the second bullet point is talking about this system called eOscar. Now, to not kind of bore everybody with too much of the nitty-gritty details, eOscar is basically the automatic system that credit reporting agencies have in place. So like when you go ahead online on Experian or Credit Karma or whatever, and you hit dispute and you say, you know what, I don't like this information on my report, I'm just going to dispute it. Mm -hmm. That dispute, it's not like it lands into the hands of somebody working at that credit bureau. It goes through this online system and it 
automatically gets judged. There is a decision made on that dispute automatically through software. Humans never touch it. So what do you do about that? If you really want to have results, because what do you think? The software is going to let people just willy-nilly dispute items, remove it, and have it stay off? No, it's not going to be the case. Mm. So you need to bypass that. You need to do something that's going to get that information, get that challenge in the hands of a human, somebody that's actually going to review that information and make a decision on it. So that's another part of what makes our letter so effective is bypassing that automated system and allowing the actual humans behind the phone, <laughs> review that information and make it de- and make a decision based on um, the challenges that we're that we're um, that we're using. So in regards to, you know, again, the expectations as a whole is we're going to be sending it out to all three bureaus. We don't cherry pick. We don't say, okay, well, you know what, we're going to go on TransUnion first, and then we're going to go Experian. No, we're doing all three of them at the same time approximately, you know, a week or so after we get them sent out. Now we have kind of had to alter our processes a little bit. We used to send a lot of mail. We found ways to actually improve that process, especially with all the issues with the USPS lately and all the, and all those things. So we've actually had to do a lot more faxing, but you know, in a very special way. So again, you know, about seven days or so, once we start the round and we get those initial things sent out, that's when they're usually getting in the hands of the bureaus. From there, they have about two weeks or so to actually review that information. Now, keep in mind, it's a real human doing this based on how we're getting these delivered to them. It's really just the method of delivery. Then from there, after about two weeks of that review stage, then about a week or so, you're actually going to, the bureaus are now going to have um, sent out their decision on that challenge, you know, of whatever we were challenging, whether it was a collection, whether it was a bankruptcy, whatever, you're going to get that decision on that. So that 14 day average is probably more closer to about 21 to 28 days at this point, just because of certain delays. That's why in the next thing, you know, we hear back in our first round between that 30 to 35 days, it has increased to about 45 days because of COVID. So that has kind of, you know, been a little bit of a, of a roadblock that we've had to kind of hurdle over, but we're still trying to stick to that fast time frame and much faster than, than pretty much everybody else. I mean, people are waiting three months to hear back from one round of letters with a lot of people. So we've got that cut in half. Um, and then really once we hear back from the bureaus, we're going to assess that information. We're going to prepare another round of letters for you as, you know, assuming that there's still information there. Um, if obviously if everything is off that we needed to, we don't need to prepare another one, but we do get that sent out as quickly as possible. Once we get the results back from that current round and, and really, you know, as far as the expectations for, for what the cost you're paying for is, is it's our time. It's the type of mail delivery systems we're using. It's the, actual labor of, of going in and preparing these documents. We also have softwares in place to help us automate a lot of the things that we need to do. Um, so really, you know, the last, the only thing that you're paying for besides the service itself is just going to be um, a credit monitoring service that we have a partnership with. And, and a lot of people actually really like that, that, uh, that credit monitoring service anyways, and they usually keep it after the repair is over. So very cool. Very cool. So what are the next steps, guys? So uh, next steps is, uh, hey, if you're looking to get your credit repaired, if you're looking to even just have a conversation with people that can better explain those things on your report that you just 
don't even understand, then really the first step is the best way is to really shoot us an email uh, to our Gmail or a lot of people just check us out on Instagram. Instagram is going to be the place where you're going to see my face. You're going to see Chris's face. You're going to hear us talking about credit. You're going to hear us talking about things that are in the news. You know, if there's massive credit card changes to very popular cards, or if there's some different things that collection agencies are doing, you're going to be, uh, you're going to be exposed to a lot of different types of content, but you're also going to have direct access to us. And a lot of people just hit us in the DMS, but we want to have the real conversations about your credit that nobody else really wants to have. They just want to tell you, okay, this is your report. We're going to do this and you're going to like it. And you're like, Oh, okay. No, 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 no. We're going to go through it line by line. We're going to provide you with the answers that, you, that you've been looking for. And we're just going to give you as much time as you need. I mean, most people are on the call with us for 30, 45. Chris, you've been on a call with people for over an hour, you know, just talking about all these things because we're really a client-driven company. Uh, as Chris says, we want to become the Amazon of credit repair where the client the people that are that are that are liking our content, that are sharing it with the people that they feel could benefit from it. Everybody that is the reason. I mean, because the reason we do what we do is because we genuinely care about people's well-being in their financial life. You know, they want to achieve that financial independence. Well, we're going to do what we can to help provide the knowledge, the service, and anything we can to help people better along their path and their journey towards their financial independence and their financial goals through the use of credit. So if you're looking for a company that's going to care, if you're looking for two brothers, some real conversations, check us out at the Credit Brothers. Very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys being here. You know, a lot of the people that listen to this show are real estate professionals, broker owners of real estate companies, managers, and salespeople that uh, works, you know, selling real estate. So, uh, but in addition to that, we have mortgage bankers who we're in contact with. So I'll be sure to share this with them as well because um, they're always looking to help their clients repair their credit because it's one of the pivotal, most important things that a home buyer needs in order to get pre-qualified for a home. So uh, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's just important for me to say that to the people that are listening so that you can uh, you know, reach out. Uh, to the Credit Brothers for any questions with regard to this. Yeah, and I will say we have um, we have a couple of partnerships already in place with you know, a lot of mortgage lenders um, all over the United States. So as Hector was saying, it's a pivotal part for a lot of people where somebody might come to you and say, hey, I want to get a home. And you're like, well, your credit's too bad. I can't, I can't help you with a 500. Then you just kind of put them in touch with us. We'll get them straightened out in a reasonable time frame. You know, then all of a sudden they're good to go for that home. And then it kind of just completes that life cycle. So that'll do it for today's interview. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. I'm looking forward to, to working with you guys going forward and uh, sending you as many people that I know can benefit from your service. Yeah, absolutely, Hector. It was, uh, it was definitely a pleasure. I can say that uh, you know we love being able to voice our own personal opinions on, on credit, and we just hope that a lot of people uh, found this information to be valuable, um, and maybe they share it with somebody that they feel could also benefit from it, whether it's a business partner, whether it's a family or friend, say, hey, you know that credit thing you had? Well, I think I know two brothers that can get that answer for you. So, <laughs> Credit brothers in the house. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great rest of the week, and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.